بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا ٹینتھ آف ڈسمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ or taking a glimpse into the awesome station of our beloved messenger so to continue with this with regards to a glimpse into his beautiful features <coughs> in Ibn Sa'ad in his tabakat it mentions Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had the most beautiful of all feet Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had the most beautiful of all feet So the fact that that's mentioned, you know, it's a strange way to describe the beauty of a person. And yet, this shows that from, literally from his blessed head to his feet, Allah Ta'ala had created him with the most beautiful features. And the report mentions he had the most beautiful of all feet. Adding details. In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Sayyidina Maymoon ibn Qardam, he said, I saw Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and I have not forgotten that the length of his big toes exceeded the length of his other toes. So here one of the companions said that you get that perfect you know, uh, symmetry with the toes. His toe and then you've got the other blessed toe, uh, what do you call the fingers of the feet, right? The toes, and it's perfectly lined, the Sahaba radiyallahu said. So Lord, his feet were immaculate. And also there's a report which mentions, and it's in Ibn Majah, that one of the ones who knew from just from the signs of the body, in terms of lineage, somebody questioned him with regards to, or her, with regards to who had the most similar footprint as the Prophet, Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam, because his footprint was engraved in the maqam and then the report mentions that when the prophet walked past sallallahu alayhi wasallam she said it's him so his foot was sallallahu alayhi wasallam was identical to ibrahim alayhi salatu wasallam and his blessed footprint was etched into that rock of paradise so lord he, he was very similar and this is why the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was asked in sahih bukhari who did he resemble ya rasulullah ai ibrahim alayhi salatu wasallam And the Prophet said, he resembled your companion. So what's interesting about that, the Prophet didn't mention that because he was very humble. But when they asked him, who did he resemble? The Prophet didn't say he resembled me because he resembled your companion, meaning myself. So note, he was very similar to the Holy Prophet Ibrahim. With regards to his eyelashes, in Behaki, in his Delai al-Nubu'ah, it mentions his eyelashes were lush. Subhanallah. His eyelashes were lush, meaning that he was blessed with long eyelashes. And this, of course, ex- accentuates the beauty of the eyes. So even his blessed eyelashes was a sign. Hafiz ibn Sa'ab, rahmatullah in his Ash-Shifa, and Hafiz al-Sabti in his Adab al-Mawadid, wa Atyab al-Mawalid, both mentioned. Lies out of reverence and honor for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam never troubled him. Lies 
out of reverence and honor for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam never troubled him. So there's a famous example of this. <coughs> there was a companion whose name uh, Kaab ibn Ujra radiyallahu and he was he was doing the umrah with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he had severe lice. You know, he was he was troubling. Him. So he came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and obviously in ihram you know allowed to shave your hair. So he asked the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam because you see the condition I'm in ya Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam what can I do? And then Allah the Almighty revealed the passage in the Quran mentioning that those of you who are ill can but then they need to give a sacrifice or some expiation. So companions suffered from this and it's easily passed on. This is why in school especially with children if one of the youngsters gets lice they mention it that the others need to be aware. But the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he never had any problem with lice and that was out of honor they kept away from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and there's a report that you need to look into which is important um sulaim one of the um haram one of the blessed aunts of uh, anas or the mother of anas um sulaim radiyallahu she would look for lice in the hair of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this is mentioned in the sahih but this doesn't mean there was lice it just meant that she was looking maybe to see maybe there is one so the report indicates that they were looking but it doesn't say there was any found upon the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and also it mentions that flies would not sit on him as well flies so especially in the warmer parts of the world flies fall into your drink let alone yourself we imagine a person sitting in the in that environment and a fly wouldn't sit upon him. in fact there's a beautiful report the hadith is in uh, ahmad and bukhari's al-adab al-mufrad that the prophet was resting sallallahu alaihi wasallam and a fly started flying over So one of the companions started shooing the fly away. And then the prophet awoke and he said sallallahu alaihi wasallam, "Why are you shooing away a fly that has alerted a prophet for salat?" So so notice the fly didn't say on the prophet. It was just flying over as if to indicate it's time for salat ya rasulullah. Or which the companion didn't know what the fly was doing. And that also indicates flies flies have missions. So you, know, you get this impression that flies just fly about just booking it. they always have things to do under the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the noble companions look for our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam was truly unparalleled for instance looking at sayyidina abu ruhm radiyallahu it is related that sayyidina abu ruhm radiyallahu once inadvertently scraped the shin of rasulullah whilst riding beside him so this is easily done if your feet are on the you know on the stirrup for whatever better word and you're sitting on a beast of burden and there's another person riding next to you sometimes he'll graze you so abu ruhm radiyallahu accidentally scraped his shin our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam then tapped the foot of abu ruhm and said you have aggrieved me move your feet meaning you've hurt me sayyidina abu ruhm radiyallahu's earth collapsed beneath his feet and he now thought a holy verse would be revealed regarding him exposing as a hypocrite so he was not worried about that statement he goes remove your feet you have heard that he thought i must be a munafik then what happened shortly there after the same night abu ruhm was summoned was summoned in ibn sa'd in istabqat 4-184 our beloved messenger said to him sallallahu alaihi wasallam you caused me distress and i in turn poked your foot thereby causing you distress those now take these goats in return for that 
Sayyidina Ahub, Abu Ruhum later said, Radiyallahu, the pleasure of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was more beloved to me than the whole world and all that it contains. I let alone the goats. So look how beautiful. He was thinking, I must be a monafik, because the Prophet said some harsh words to me. You've heard me move your feet. But when he was summoned, imagine at that time he was thinking, oh my God, Allah has revealed the verse. But when he came, the complete opposite. The Prophet said, you cause me distress, but I you causing you distress. So take these goats. So look how amazing the character of the Prophet He didn't just say, please forgive me. Tit for tat as they say. He gave goats. And then Abu Ruhum didn't say, Alhamdulillah, I've got goats. He goes, the pleasure of Rasulullah was more beloved to me than the whole world and all the content. Meaning, that was what truly counted to the companions. In another touching report, it mentions that Sayyida Umayyah bin Qais was once traveling with Rasulullah on his she-camel as a girl. But in the morning, she had her first menses. So look how interesting. So she was a youngster. She was with the Prophet on his she-camel. But in the morning, she had her first menstrual cycle. In her own words, what did she say? In Ibn Sa'ad in Istabaqat 8-293, I therefore sat forward on the camel to hide the traces of blood and I was embarrassed. When Rasulullah realized what happened to me and he saw the traces of blood, he said, perhaps you have had your menstrual cycle. I replied, yes, Ya Rasulullah. He said, attend to yourself. Then take a container of water, put salt in it, then wash the affected part of the bike and then return. I did so, meaning I took care of myself and I did what the Prophet told me to do, said Allah. When Rasulullah, when Allah the Almighty and Glorious conquered Khaybah first, He said Allah took out of the spoils this necklace that you see on my neck and gave it to me and he put it on my neck with his own hand. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it will now never be parted from me. So what happened, it was Khaybah had fallen, the Jewish fortresses. And then the Prophet gave her a gift, a necklace. And she said, I'm never going to take this off because the Prophet put it upon me. Indeed, it remained on her neck until she passed away. And she made a will that it be bedded with her. Also, whenever she cleansed herself, she used salt in the water. And she stipulated in her will that salted water be used for washing her body before burial. So look at the law for the Prophet. He said to her, take a container of water, put salt in it, wash the affected part of the bike, meaning it's to do get rid of the, the stains of blood. Well, she took that to her. And she goes, When I die, you must use salted water for washing my body. So note, if you look at these reports, you realize how much love the companions had for the Prophet and vice versa. Obviously, the Prophet himself was showing great love and affection. With regards to his passing away, our beloved messenger himself clarified, as related by Ta'us, I have been given two choices, namely to either stay alive on the earth long enough to witness my ummah's conquests or to be swift, and I have preferred swiftness. This is in Abdul Razak in his Al Musannaf, it's Mursal. So let's look at this. 
So what did he say? I've been given two choices. And the first choice was live as long as you wish and you will see Islam spread all over the world. Or to be swift, meaning to come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what did he say? I have preferred swiftness, meaning I, I need to go quickly. <laughs> so what's interesting, he passed away at the age of 63, lunar years, which is about 61 solar years. So people quickly goes, why was, you know, he wasn't really in old age. Old age, probably you, you say 75, you get to, you know, 60 still, you know, you got your strength because it was swift. Because I preferred swiftness. Now what's interesting, there's a miracle in this hadith. The Prophet said, my ummah's conquest. So imagine there was no conquest. The Muslims were defeated. So he already knew that Islam's going to spread. He goes, I was given a choice. Do you want to live? So imagine when the Persian Empire collapsed and that was completely done, maybe in Uthman's Khalifa, he would have lived another 20, 20 years. Yeah. And when the Romans, you know, collapsed, another, so he would have lived another into his hundreds if he wished. Because I chose swiftness. And this narration is Mursal, why? Because Tawus was a Tabi'in. So how did he know this about the Prophet And the answer is he must have heard it from the Sahaba, obviously. And the famous hadith which proves this in Sayyid Bukhari, the Prophet said, a Prophet does not leave until he's given a choice. And the choice means that you can stay or you can leave. Meaning that the Prophets do not just die. They actually are given an option. Do you, would you like to die? <laughs> Go Amazing their maqam is, you know, think about the Imagine this angel of death comes. Do you? Uh, give me a few more years. <laughs> when the prophets are given a choice, so every prophet from Adam, to our beloved messenger, were given a choice. And that shows that they are on the pedestal. <laughs> when people say they're just like me, well, how is that like me and you? You know, forget about me and you, even the Sahaba, did the angel of death say, you got a choice to Abu Bakr? No choice. And he's the greatest of men after the prophets. So what does that tell you? When it comes to prophets, they're on another pedestal. Indeed, upon passing away of our beloved messenger, the noble companions were truly inconsolable. Hafiz ibn al-Atil, in his Asad al-Ghabah, 3-383, Ibn Abi Layla al-Ansadi, he said, at the time of Rasulullah's departure, from this mortal world, I was a small child. I noticed people throwing sand over their heads and clothes. Indeed, I wept upon seeing them weep so. So look how touching a youngster, young sahab, Ibn Abi Layla al-Ansari. He goes, I noticed that the people, something strange, they were throwing sand over their heads and clothes, meaning they were grieving. And when I saw this, even though I was a child, I began to weep as well. In another report, Recorded by Hafiz ibn Hajar Askalani in Al-Isaba 1-640, it mentions, when the news of Rasulullah's departure, sallallahu reached the outskirts of Al-Madina Al-Munawwara, the tribe of Bahila ditched their tents. They did not erect them for seven days, I due to their intense grief. Subhanallah. So now let's look at this. If you're in the desert, you need tents, like you need water. <laughs> Because it protects you from the heat. This tribe Bahila, when they heard of Rasulullah's passing, for seven days they didn't even erect tents. So why were they doing that? That's madness. Because they were grieving so much over the Prophet's passing. So if you look at these glimpses, 
<coughs> you realize that they were truly inconsolable, the companions of the Prophet So note, his passing was also something which is worth reflecting upon. And just to add, our beloved mother, Sayyidah Umm Salama, anha, she said that I noticed upon his passing that the seal of prophethood had, had disappeared. <laughs> so the, the seal of prophethood was between his blessed shoulders and it's described differently in various reports because the hadith vary. But this was a sign that he was the final prophet. And when he passed away, she said it left. So even on his holy body, there were signs that it's finished. The prophethood is finished. And unfortunately, people still think ignorantly that the prophethood still continues. You know, and they call themselves Muslims. But let me just add this. A question which is often posed, how do we know that his compassion for us was unparalleled amongst the creation? So we, obviously we believe this, that he loved us more than anything that allowed us. Huh? But where is the proof of that? So firstly, the Quran. In Surah Al-Ahzab, Surah 33, verse 6, Allah the Almighty and Glorious, he says, the Prophet is nearer to, has a greater claim on the believers than their own souls. So this is the verse, Surah 33, verse 6. So what does Allah the Almighty Glorious say? The Prophet is nearer, has a greater claim on the believers than their own selves. Because strange that verse is. Who's got a greater claim over ourselves more than us? Rasulullah. Our beloved messenger echoed sallallahu I am nearer to the believers than their own selves. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 2176. Sayyid Muslim, number 1619. So the Quran says, the Prophet is nearer and greater claim on the believers than their own selves. Rasulullah said, Sallallahu I am nearer to the believers than their own selves. But in a vital wording, the Prophet added, Sallallahu Alaihi I am nearer to every believer than his own self. I am nearer to every believer than his own self. <coughs> this is in Sayyid Muslim. Number 867, Nasai, number 1578, Ibn Imajah, number 45, Ahmad in his Musnad, <coughs> number 14373, Tabarani in his Osat, number 9418, Tabarani in his Kabir, number 8531, Behaki in his Sunan, number 5544, Abu Ya'la in his Musnad, number 2111, Ibn Hiban in his Sayyid, number 10. So the Prophet said, I am nearer to every believer than his own self every single one of the believers I am closer to them than even their own selves. So now, how do we look at this? One thing the Prophet mentioned was that if a believer dies and he owes a debt, I will pay it off. Because I am nearer to their believers than even their own selves. So think about that. When wealth started coming into the coffers as they say, the Prophet said, I will pay the debts off. And he actually said after that, I am nearer to them, meaning it's my debt. Now, 
That's not often mentioned. But how many believers were there? <laughs> that at the time, there was thousands, tens of thousands, 20,000. So if any of them died in there, Rasulullah goes, they're dead, so me. I will pay that because I am nearer to them than their own selves. So he was showing practically that he is nearer to you than his own, than your own self. And also in Ibn Hiban, Hakim Sagih, the Prophet said, when two believers love each other, the one who is more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who loves his brother more. So if you've got two brothers, if A loves B more, Allah Ta'ala loves A more. So how is that linked to what I'm mentioning here? Rasulullah loved us. Could anybody reciprocate that love more than Rasulullah? And the answer is no. Because if you could reciprocate it more than Rasulullah, you become Habibullah, which is impossible. So when you say Rasulullah loved you, you say we can't love him more than he loves us. So note, here the Quran testifies, the Sunnah testifies that he is closer to us than even our own selves. And this is why the narration says, he does not truly believe, who does not love Allah Ta'ala and his messenger more than my, more than his own self. Why? Because if he loves you more than your own self, it's only but fair that you reciprocate and you love him more than your own self. So all I mentioned today was again examples of the incredible station of our beloved messenger and again subhanallah whatever angle you look at you realize he truly was the chosen servant of almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are there any questions you know Subhanallah